to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are um, in for another treat today. And as always, we have Colette with us. Hello. And Julia. Hi, guys. And our guest, Rita. Hi, Rita. And we'll let Rita... (laughs) we'll let Rita uh, tell you a little bit about herself in just a moment, but um, we're doing something a little bit different tonight. Yeah. So life kind of threw us all some curveballs. So we we are trying, uh, we are recording virtually. So hopefully um, it's seamless and you guys can't even tell that we're not sitting in the pod studio together. (laughs) Yes. Thank you, everybody, for joining us again today. And we are so excited. We have Rita. She is an end-of-life doula joining us this evening. And we are so honored to have you with us. Thank you, Rita. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? When? How did you get into end-of-life doula? Yes. So becoming an end-of-life doula, it kind of was a a natural organic process for me um, all my life. But however, I didn't I didn't know that until an adult and just um, following life. So I feel it was something that I was called to do and then later felt a responsibility to do it because I could do it. And it's not something that everybody can do or or everybody wants to be around. And so so I feel I felt a responsibility and uh, to to do it to be of service to those at the end of life, and um, so I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, which is where I'm joining you from tonight. And um, I moved to California. Uh, I have two children and two grandsons, so I'm a mom and a a grandma. Uh, they call me Oma in German. Oh, I love and, that. Um, yes. And my mom, she is from a family of twelve. Uh, born and raised in Pennsylvania. And um, so she's, she's the oldest girl of of all these brothers and sisters. And whenever I was little, you know, you imagine a family that big, and then of course, right. there's spouses and, you know, children. And so, and it's, um it's a small community, but, you know, but a tight knit one. And there's, there's a lot of people here. And my mom would always take us to the funerals. And I'm, dragging my heels in now I don't want to go you know I'm just little I don't want to go you know and um kind of creepy you know at first but but she always made us go she always made us uh show respect for those that have lost a loved one and show respect for the family and so um I went to those funerals and then thinking back I was thinking when what was my first um memory of death Right. And it and I was eight years old. I had just turned eight years old. And my grandma, my mom's mom, she was at home and uh, they brought a hospital bed in. And I didn't know this then, you know, but looking back, so she she was there and, and all those children, the ones that were still here, um, because some moved to other states, and then there were all these grandchildren, and uh my mom had eight children herself, so mm. we were, you know, there were just tons of grandkids there and um we're laying on the floor we're having a camp out and uh my grand my grandmother she did pass at home and so that was my first memory and being that close to death and now as an adult realizing that most people want to die at home so we're coming back to that so we're coming back to more people being in the home because whenever the medical i'd say about 100 years ago whenever medical care, you know, came up, then people are dying in hospitals or nursing homes or care facilities. They, they're not dying at home like they want to. And so looking back, you know, it was really beautiful that she got to be at home. And, uh, so that was my first experience. That's really interesting that your first interaction with death had such a positive connotation to it. Yeah. Um, do you think that that kind of, um, because it was such a positive experience, um, that maybe it made you a little less fearful going into this line of work. You're exactly right, Leah. Yes. So, um, and again, not knowing it at the time, but now as an adult and looking back, you're right because there's so many people that 
are afraid of death. They don't want to, you know, talk about it. They think they don't talk about it. It's not going to happen. But that is one guarantee in life. We are all born with a death sentence. We're all going to experience it one day. And so we can either resist it, but you know, what you resist persists, right? It's going to, it's, it's going to come around whether we're ready or not. Here it comes. And um, so that's part of my thing is to prepare and educate people on it. And um, I also do a, a death cafe and that's just having a conversation about death and just to bring it up in normal conversation. And um, so the more we can talk about it, the more we can accept it, you know, as an everyday occurrence um, that the more comfortable people can be with it. And, and I didn't realize that. So I moved to California in 1989 and um, I worked and one of my coworkers, an older lady, she had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And um, that's a, usually a pretty quick death, right? So she did pass away and my coworkers, so now I'm adult and my coworkers like, I'm not going, I'm not going to the funeral. I'm like, and I was like, what, what do you mean? You're not going to the funeral. I just thought everybody goes to the funeral, you know? And there's these adult people that they didn't go to the funeral. They didn't want to go to the funeral, but of course I went and, you know, I was supported her. And, um, but that was my first realization. You're right. That for me, it was just a natural thing. This is what you do. And, uh, but yes, there's a lot of people today as adults that don't have a good relationship or, um, you know, maybe not so good experiences with it, which is understandable. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome that you had such a kind of a positive experience in the beginning to kind of open up your heart and mind Maybe where I was actually um, in a session today speaking with someone and we were ta- they were talking about memories and how a lot of times you attach your maybe a fear to a memory or something. And as a child, the first time you're experiencing something, maybe it was death or something like that, that you don't realize that that natural, that first instinct or that first feeling that you felt creates this long-term memory. And so it can bring back that fear with death or something like that. And That's so snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and so to have a, a positive experience that opened your heart and mind to death, I think that's fantastic because it's definitely a touchy, touchy subject. And it's it's a hard subject to bring up and talk about. And when you're in the cancer world, it's it's so real that um, people tend to not want to talk about it. Right. Yeah. And so explain to us what, what does a death doula do? Mm-hmm. So we, so a death doula is a, and it's known by many names like, uh, death midwife, spiritual midwife, death, uh, end of life doula, death doula. So there's a lot of names, but what we do as we are a companion to, the end of life, um, companion to the hospital hospice care. I got involved with hospice in 2010. I was working in my corporate job and, um, and I just was like, there's, there's more, there's more to life than, you know, than what I'm doing. And, and I kept having this call and this pulling and I'm in California at this time. And, um, so 2010, I was like, I just, all right, I just need to do this. Like it just kept knocking on the door. Right. Yeah. And so I, I went to hospice and I trained to become a volunteer and I actually volunteered for two hospices. And, um, I did that, um, for a couple of years. And then in 2001, I learned about the death doula. And, um, so I went through the training and the certification and, and became an end of life doula. And, um, what does and- training and certification for something like that look like? So there, I forget how many hours that was a little while ago, but, uh, but we went through a pretty thorough training and, um, as a volunteer, I was like, geez, it's like being an employee and, and getting oriented, but it, but it really was a great training. And again, I, I did it for two different hospices. And so, um, so going through both of those, but, but a lot of, uh, like the signs and what to expect, the, um, an end of life doula does not administer medication. So they are a um, holistic non-medical companion. Okay. And, um, but, but just learning, you know, what they are. And, and so, you know, you could um, assist or answer questions, you know, to help. Uh, so, yeah, it was in, and then there was in, in 
service, like actually being by the bedside, you okay. know, with, with the patients before, you know, going out. Um, and then there was monthly in-service, which was really neat because they would bring people in and different education and, um, okay. Yeah, so it was ongoing. So they they both both of the places I volunteered with at that time, they did a really great job at the training and keeping everybody in the loop. And uh, so as you know, Gap, uh, because that's how you started your your yes. organization, right? Because there's yes. a gap in that care and like you, what you want to do, and then what you're restricted by those limitations. Right. And and um, so in 2021, when I learned about um, the certification for the death doula. Then I, I did that. And um, it's just been absolutely wonderful. Unfortunately, I have been a doula to my own family, you know, my parents, my dad, um, my father-in-law, um, my my father, you know, so there's been some family members in there that yeah. that um, I was with during those times. And then, uh, and then other, other clients that, that I've worked with um, throughout these last three years. And so the gap was the big thing that got me because as a volunteer, I'm limited like one hour or however many hours a week that I can right. be with this person. Um, and so having to adhere to those guidelines and it's like, you know, like, I, yeah. you know, we want to give our time and be with them. And and if they need something, it's like, oh, my time's up, you know, got to go. Right. So as being a doula, then I am not limited by time. So that gap, um, I, I. I can fill in that gap now because with hospice, they, they are limited, you know, the RNs, the social workers, um, the chaplains. So they all have their roles and they're limited by what they can do and how much time they can be with a patient. And, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy that just, you know, one hour. And so the doula being there, we can be the extra eyes, the extra ears, the extra hands there. And um, if anything changes, which which I really appreciate, if anything changes, then I can call up the hospice nurse and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is going on, or what do you think, or you know, what do you want me to do?" And so I can, because I'm there more. Right. Um, I don't normally spend the night, but there was one client who didn't have anybody else, and um, oh, I actually God. spent. I actually spent um, like a week at a time there. Oh, I wow. She did eventually pass, but she had nobody, which was one thing that I wanted to bring up was the um, NODA. There's something called NODA. No one dies alone. Yeah. And whenever I was little going with my mom, like we, she took me to the funerals. She took me to the nursing homes and I would see these people because here I am with a big family. And I would see these people in there like week after week and nobody ever visited them and they were just there by themselves and they're sitting in their, their room or their bed. And, and it just was so sad. They're just, yeah. in and, you know, seeing these other people, they're getting visitors. And um, so that just really stuck with me as well. And so yeah. whenever I learned about NODA, no one dies alone, that also is something that like everybody deserves to have somebody. Yeah. So if they don't have children or they don't have a spouse or they don't have any family around because they've outlived them all um, or they don't live in the state, they're not close by, then I can be that person. And I have been that person to be with them, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. So does hospice, yeah. Yeah. So does hospice put you in touch with people um, that are in need or do people request your services? So with, uh, yeah, I moved to Placer County recently. And so I am getting familiar with the hospices and the services that are around in the area. But yes, if they do know about a doula, then they can reach out to us, you know, again, to be that companion to the service. Um, a lot of people find me online. Um, I do have a website and then there's a bunch of directories out there for doulas. And so they can search for in their area. So the people that have contacted me, have all found me online. Okay. And so now they're starting to know and their families are starting to learn. And it's amazing. Even um, there's a lot of hospices that do not know about end of life doulas. And yeah. so that's part of my thing and in, in which I was honored to be on here because to get the word out, um, I that's part of my mission is to educate the community about this service, that it is available, that there are resources. And that's another big thing that we do is um, provide resources. So putting people in touch with, hey, did you know that? Or do you know about this website? Or do you know about this resource? So we are um, 
a connector, you know, to a lot of services. We, yeah. we can't be everything to everyone um, as great as that would be, but we, we, you know, we, we can't do that. So um, knowing where to refer them to or who to point them to or which direction to point them. Um, one other thing about the NOTA is no one dies alone is the baby boomers. So I learned that I just looked it up today just to be fresh on the number and um, <laughs> I found December of 2021, but it said of 92.2 million adults ages 55 and older in 2018, 15.2 million which that equals the 16.5% are childless defined here as having no biological children. Oh, so wow. there's 15.2 million people. So who is caring for them? Right. And right. that's all over the U S yeah. So they're there alone. So, so like the, the one um, person that I was with and I said, like, if I, if you didn't reach out to me, like who would have ever known that you even passed away? Right. You know, Right. Like, how long would it be before somebody knew? Right. And, um, you know, she said, you know, days or weeks, whatever, because oh. um, she was a shut in person for over yeah. a decade. So um, people didn't we come had, to the house. Yeah, we had something very similar happen in um, in my family mm-hmm. um, on my biological father's side of the family. We didn't know that his dad had passed. Oh, wow. And. Uh, my aunt was just scouring the internet because she couldn't get a hold of him. Um, and you know, they weren't very close. And um she found in his his mobile home uh parks newsletter that he oh. had passed. Oh, oh wow, like six months earlier. So oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, that just I mean, it that does happen. And yeah. so I'm so grateful that people have you as that extension of, uh, of their life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, probably more often than we even know about, you know, yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because even as I've been a nurse since 2005, <laughs> so quite a while. And I never, I had never heard of an end of life doula or a death doula. And it was when I had gone, it was after I went through cancer. And so not even during cancer that um, somehow I I just heard something somewhere or got an email. And I started, um, actually, there was some free courses to do through this one place. So I, I did the first one and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. But it was crazy to me that in the medical profession, I had not heard of this. Yeah, and so yeah. it shows how much we need to get get it out there, and you know, tell people that these services are out there, and you don't, you know, you don't have to do this alone. The or if the family needs assistance or would like assistance, and you know that there's something out there aside from the time limited medical mm-hmm. services that we tend to have. Right. Yeah, and I I don't really consider myself a a, a planner like that. However, the way it's turned out is that uh, as an end of life doula, it's it's like being in an event planner, like because we can we can meet with them as early as eighteen. Like when you become an adult, you you get your affairs in order, right? Your yeah. finances, and um, so it, doing the advanced directives or your healthcare proxy, your final wishes, and if like the sooner you start, the earlier you start, I think the better because once you get that done and out of your mind, then, then it frees up brain space, you know, take, right. taking up in, in your brain and, and, um, it comes up and then you push it away and it comes up and you push it away. It's going to keep coming up and it's going right. to happen. So, you know, the sooner we can address it, the sooner we can make our plans and be prepared and know our options and the options are changing quite rapidly. Like, like body disposition, there's so many options that weren't there before. Right. And so even just that, like, uh, so the more, the, the sooner we can get that done, the sooner we can enjoy life. Um, I love books. So in Tuesdays with Maury, if you yes. ever wa- read that book, yes. so he says, when you learn how to die, you learn how to live. And so once, you know, one week we can accept that again, we're all born with that death sense. It's the right. one guarantee in life that is going to happen. We're all going to experience it. And so then, um, 
then you can, you know, go on with life because you've already addressed that huge, you know, that huge elephant in the room. And, um, yeah. And then I suggest to like every year or, you know, five years, whatever, depending how far out or whatever, but I suggest to, uh, revisit that and then Right. Make sure it's up to date. Is that person still in your life? Is that still your wish? There's all these new options. Do you want to change your options? And so just because you do it once, it doesn't mean it's done in stone forever and um, you can change it and, um, and, and make it more of a celebration. Hopefully that yeah. it's a tough vision board. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny yeah. that you brought that up, Rita, because uh, I've been listening to another podcast lately, and they um, kind of cover all things death related. But it's it's funny; it's very um, lighthearted. But they were talking about you know just different your all your options and and things that are new in today's technology that people didn't know about. And they're like, honestly, like I think like having a a plan even if it's like a loose plan of just like you were saying things you want or people that you want to to be at your your funeral people that you don't if you even want a funeral but i think kind of we push off that thought because we're like no that's for when you're like retiring and you know you're you have health you know thing health concerns and but like you said you know it happens to everyone and i think i think that's awesome to to look at it as like just, you know, just talk about it, just plan it. And you're not, it's not this thing looming in the back of your head that you're, you know, kind of always freaking out about. Yeah, Yeah. because it's heavy. It's heavy to think about. And you're right. We're just pushing it off all the time, not addressing it now. And so that heaviness just continues. So you had said that to me when we um, spoke the first time you said that about the Tuesdays with Maury's. And once you learn how to die, that you learn how to live. And I was like, whoa, that was, it stuck with me. It really stuck with me because, you know, it's like, yeah, if we didn't push off this huge, heavy thing all our life, basically, (laughs) until we absolutely have to, then maybe we would have worked through that fear and was able to start living again. So I really, I really like that. I think that's, it's profound that we need to get that out there and people to understand that, you know? Yes. And it's a gift to your family or your loved ones or your spouse or your children, because if something happened, I mean, we're all at risk when we get in our car and turn that ignition on, like we're all at risk anytime, you know? Um, so if, if you have it laid out and people know where to find it, yeah, uh, then that's a gift to them because if they're they're already heartbroken over, you know, if it was natural or or sudden um, or expected. Uh, so if they know what your wishes are, then they can feel good knowing that they're honoring you. They're honoring what your wishes were, what you wanted, what you did not want, and um, and then in in that that can be such a less burden on them, right. you know, so that they can focus on, um, what's at hand. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind, um, sharing with us your near death experience? Mm-hmm. Sure. So in 1995, so it's been 28 years ago, my daughter, when my daughter was born, um, so I had a beautiful pregnancy. I worked all the way up until the day, the day she was born. Um, I went to work all day came home, wow. uh, took a walk with my two neighborhood girlfriends. And, um, that night I was at home getting ready for bed, you know, going to go to work the next day. And so then my water broke and, um, I think it was only like two or three days before my due date. Okay. And, um, so my water did break at home and I went to, so we went to the hospital and they said, Oh yeah, you're in, you're in labor. So they checked me in and, um, then I'm laying in the bed. And the last thing I remember is, well, I remember having terrible back pain, like back labor, back pain. Uh, and my husband was rubbing my back and um, on the TV was Harry and the Hendersons in the corner of the room. So those are like the two last things I remember. Oh, wow. And then, um, then, then I went into like, he looked over and I was like having a seizure. And oh, um, wow. so he's like calling, you know, nurse, nurse, then I learned this later, of course, but so he's calling like to come in. And so they, they took her like true emergency C-section. They just cut, 
you know, did the, the surgery yeah. and took her out and, you know, um, and then it wasn't until two days later that I even realized I had a, a baby and we didn't find oh out what, God. what I was having. So I looked over in, in the little clear bassinet in, in the hospital room and I was like, I have a daughter, you know, oh. and my mom was there. My, they, uh, they called my mom. Um, our neighbor at the time was a, a urologist, a doctor. And so my husband was like talking to him and cause they said I was not, you know, may not make it. And cause I, um, after they took her out, then I started to bleed out, um, DIC. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, so the, the neighbor doctor was relaying information and he, they're like, they're doing all, they're doing all they can. They're doing all yeah. they can. And then wow. the doctors are like, um, does she have any family? Like, you know, you might want to let them know. And so they called, they called my back to Pennsylvania. And, um, so they got my mom on an air, you know, on a flight and, you know, now fast forwarding, looking back, like if I got a call and my daughters and, you know, having a baby in a hospital, like how, how horrible would that be flying across the U.S. not knowing yeah. if they're going to be there when you get there. Right. And so she did, she was, so she got to be here and, um, it, so everything did turn out. Okay. They right. said, oh, so what happened was it was an amniotic fluid embolism. Oh, um, wow. A AFE, they call it amniotic. And, um, so I didn't find this out till later. And then um, I would get some snippets, like people would say stuff because I don't have, I didn't have recollection of those two days. Oh. And um, so people would say things and I was like, oh, you know, like they were telling me what happened and I'm, I'm putting these pieces together, like of what yeah. happened. And, um, and my husband was like, like, uh, he was like, Shh, you know, don't, don't tell her she doesn't know, you know, and then my mom's like, no, you need to tell her. My mom's just like, you need to put it out there. Like you, yeah. you can't hide it or, you know, not talk about it or whatever she needs to know, then, then she can deal with it. And so, um, so yeah, so through the years, um, putting things together of, of how it happened. And, wow. uh, so they gave me blood transfusions and they were going to give me a, um, a hysterectomy, but there were two female doctors there as well. And they're like, no, like, let's, let's try, you know, blood transfusion platelets and that. So they did that and I did, you know, so I survived. So my daughter and I were both fine. She's 28. She has two babies now. Oh God. So yeah. So she made me a, a Oma and oh. um, yeah, I just love, love being a grandma. And, and, um, but they said at the time, so that was 1995, they said that this happened to like one in 80,000 women. Right. And if it happened, most of them do not survive. Right. And if they do survive, they're most of them are in a vegetative state right, right? yeah so you know so here i am i'm still right. here i'm still healthy and that was wow. another reason um that i that i was like you know if i do have this calling and i can do this you know i need to do this i'm here for a reason they didn't right. take me right and it and then i didn't realize later that like how close i was um but i did have a friend that passed away of brain cancer okay. so another cancer and um and they talk about the white light. And so I did see like that white light and this like yeah. a tunnel. And then they were there like, no, no, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, like you can't come further. Like you have to go back and Time to but go I back. Didn't realize it. Yeah. I didn't realize it until like much later. It's like, well, I was that close. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it just made me really appreciate life and um, even more grateful. I was raised with a strong faith and but again because i'm here i i uh, i don't know if it was richard work i forget who it said but richard somebody and he said like if you're still here your mission is not over and right. um so i was like well i'm still here so you know i need to do what what right. i'm here to do right and so um my mom has a huge heart of service i mean she she my mom is 90. And um, so she's just been all her life dedicated to, you know, volunteering, serving, oh, working, wow. you know, even now, she can't wait till spring and she gets out in her one of her seven or many gardens. Oh, and, um, <laughs> yes. And so, oh, yeah, awesome. so that's what I do. And it's also um, yeah, I just gratitude is just a huge thing to be yeah. grateful. Yeah. Yeah, I was grateful for 
when I was reading um, reading up about you on um, your website and stuff, having read that, I was just like, wow, that had to have been that had to have been a huge um, push with already feeling that calling, you know, like, wow, I made it through. I'm here still. And like you said, if I'm here, my mission's not done. So right. it's amazing that you took that and have done what you've done with it. Yes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And it's That's- like, a, it's like that little star first story did you hear that story like like a little kid is picking up the starfish there's a whole bunch washed up and and picking up one and throwing it back in and the guy's like you're not gonna you know you're not gonna make a difference you're not gonna save all them and he's like he picks one up and he puts it in and he's like i saved that one you know oh made a difference so that's the way i feel i love that one yeah there's so many people out there that need help that uh for whatever reason maybe they're afraid to ask for it or whatever i don't know but but just one, one on one, like, you know, just working with somebody one, one at a time. And, you know, if I can make a difference in, in that life, then, then you've done exactly. You've done amazing. Yes. Aside from, you know, if maybe someone has heard from um, the hospice or someone to put you and put them in contact with you and your website. So now they've found you, how do they get set up with you? Mm-hmm. So they reach out, um, phone, text, email, whatever. And, and then, um, I like to do a, a consultation with them, like, you know, meet them, what are their needs? What are they facing? You know, what do they want and, um, help with or companionship or is it for them for a family? And then, so whether the meeting is in, um, by phone or, or meet in person. So I do like to meet them and, and give an assessment and, and, you know, there's that, personality and, and yeah. what they're, you know, what they're needing to accomplish. And, um, of course, you know, it needs to be ethical and, and right. all that. Right. Yes. And so, um, yeah, so I like to meet with them, do a consultation, um, get, make, you know, make sure they want to work with me and, and I, I choose to work with them. And then, um, there is little contracts that we do, you know, the set, uh, our little parameters of how we're going to work together and, how long, what, you know, and it all just depends on their needs. Like I said, it could be just talking. It could be filling, you know, doing an advanced directive, doing their final wishes, making their plans. Um, what do they want to do with their body? Like, you know, I just need to get my body from this state to this state and I don't want this and this, and I want that. So what are, you know, what are my options? How can I do this? And, um, yeah, so then, so then we, we, uh, meet together and, and it's all, it's all, they're in charge. So it's whatever they need, you know? So I am there. I like to say I'm a genie. So I coined one, one patient, one client coined, you know, like being a genie. So I want to make their wish come true, whatever, you know, I want to grant their wishes. And um, so they're in charge, they're in control. Um, You know, you may have experienced when you're ill, you, you may feel like you've lost some control. Yeah. You've lost some choices. And so I like to empower them. You're in charge. You're in control. This is about you. So whatever they want, you know, how much, how little, um, I just, I, they're the leader and, and I'm, I'm the companion there to make whatever their wishes happen. And so whether, again, whether it's planning paperwork, um, sitting vigil, being with, being with them at the end, um, I also do work with not everybody, not every doula does. So that's another thing. Doulas can have a specialty. Mm-hmm. They may or may not do certain things. And, um, I also do work with people that choose to do VSED, which stands for voluntarily stopping eating and drinking, okay. um, as a natural way. Um, and then the medical aid and dying, um, if they have a terminal, so I could be there as part of their team through that oh, part. That's awesome. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, and then again, however long whether it's hours or or right. you know, weeks or months or years. And if if people do start with uh early as making their plans and then we already have a rapport and a relationship together and then as they age and they get closer to that process, then it can just naturally progress into the end of life doula because we've already built that relationship and you know, got comfortable. Right. Yeah. So that person that I worked with, she, again, didn't have anybody around. Right. And um, in those weeks, so I met her on, 
it was six weeks from the time she made that first that first email until the time she passed. It was six weeks. Wow. And her and I, um, we had we ended up with such a deep relationship, oh. you know, through that yeah. time and um just doing things and getting to see her smile and yeah and um you know having her wishes granted we shopped for her urn together we made her you know we made her funeral arrangements so she could do everything ahead of time and um so yeah we fast made a deep relationship um yeah that's so special especially i mean at the end of life to come into somebody's life and bring that joy. And like you said, put a smile on her face and give her that companionship. That is really, really special. I just, I applaud you for what you're doing. I think it's amazing. And your job is a lot more um, diverse than I thought I had, you know, that it would be. Um, And that's really neat that you provide um, your services on so many levels of, Mm -hmm. of what they need and that you allow them that kind of personalization. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I was just about to ask, actually, um, I was, uh, also, you know, just on your website, kind of looking at, you know, your, your information. Um, do you, it looked like you, did you, um, do you incorporate, uh, Reiki and yoga and holistic massage into your, um, end of life, uh, doula services or. I do. Yes. Yes. So I went through, um, massage therapy. I really wanted to do the Reiki and, um, and at the time, you know, going through the whole massage part to get to that was the route that I took in um, acupressure. And um, so I did a lot of holistic modalities. And, and and so bringing that into the end of life. So the Reiki, um, there's there's a few that stand out in, um, in each of those. So doing the Reiki, like one, one person... Um, wasn't able to relax, you know, they have the pain, they can't rest. And so I was called there to, to, um, have a Reiki session with her, um, on a, on a couple occasions. And, but the one time, like she was, she was laying there and I was, I was doing it. And then, um, when it's time to come out and she, she was just like, Oh, she goes, I, <laughs> I felt one with the world and I never forget oh, I mean, no. that how over a decade ago, but it just brought her to such a peace and felt that connection and that unity. That's awesome. And, um, you know, where, where she is going. And so, so yeah, so I do that. And, um, so the experience that I have is that it allows people to relax. It allows them to sleep. Another person wasn't able, you know, wasn't able to sleep. And um, in the session, then there actually was like snoring. And I was like, this is awesome. Wow, they're, re- they're relaxed, you know, yeah. they're relaxed. And um, and then with the yoga. Uh, so, of course, it's not like a full on yoga session. However, like if they're laying in the bed and uh, one of another one experienced, she wasn't able to relax or rest. And so, um, I had, I go, okay, I go, let's spin around. She was still mobile enough to do that. Um, I go, let's turn around and put your feet up the wall, like legs up the wall. Yeah. And, um, so she did that and she actually fell asleep and then she's oh. like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe I fell asleep, you know, but that's, but that's a yoga pose, legs yeah. up the wall. Right. Yeah. So, so that enabled her to be able to experience some relaxation and some rest. And um, so I do. And then the, the massage, you know, with the, the touch and Reiki is beautiful because if they don't want to be touched or, mm-hmm. you know, be in that space, then um, it, you don't have to touch it can, yeah. you know, and it can even be done distant. So um, I was just going to add about the service that, I also do work with people on like, like on zoom and virtually as well. So really we're open up to the whole world Yeah, and um, we don't have to be like right there in person. And um, so it's, it's, uh, it's great to not be limited in that way. as Yeah. Well. And you can reach so many more people by having right. another platform. So that's really great. Right. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I love that, you know, in those, those moments where maybe, you know, the, the, your clients are frustrated or, you know, resisting a little bit, you know, what is, you know, just around the corner that 
you're bringing them that that peace of mind and that physical peace and re- and relaxation to allow them to get to the space that they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that like it's so great that you um you just you I guess and by them requesting the services like you're just creating peace. Yeah. And 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 removing fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think that's such an amazing gift to be able to give to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that word because that, that reminds me of another thing. I also work with people that do not use allopathic medicine. So they don't use medications or drugs or whatever, you know, they, they oh, wow. do natural measures. And so, um, so the Reiki, you know, being able to, to do that and provide, right. you know, some relief, reduce some anxiety, reduce some fear, yeah. um, give, put them in that state of, uh, well, I mean, they're, they're doing it, but, um, yeah. so being, being there with them. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I was going to ask, do you, do you see any, um, anything with religion or faiths that either push or pull people one way or other, you know, uh, do you know what I mean with, um, uh, maybe, some religions being more, no, 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 we don't want to talk about this. Or, you know, do you see anything like that with faith and end of life doulas um, playing a part in it at all? Yeah. Yeah. They have um, the, the, them being the leader comes to mind. So um, I, I'm not limited in, in who I choose to work with. So, you know, whenever, whenever it comes down, you know, we all have flesh, we have blood, we have a heartbeat, you know, we're, we're human. Right. Right. And, um, I always say that we're part of the human species. Yeah. And they deserve the same love and compassion and companionship as, as anybody else. So if they have a certain ritual, if they do or don't do anything, if they want or don't want things in their space, um, I, I, again, just let them be the guide and, and then I, you know, comply however I can and, um, and be a support for them and, and support. Nice. That's great. So you don't necessarily approach it from a certain perspective. You sort of let them take the lead and and you sort of accommodate their maybe beliefs or, um, you know, attitude towards, uh, towards death. Yeah. Yes. And this is all about them. Like, you know, we may have our ideas or our experiences, you know, or like, Ooh, I want to do that. But, but it's not about me. It's about right. them. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Um, yeah. So on your website, Julia had noticed you have memory rugs and stuff like that. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your other services? Sure. So I, um, when I was volunteering with hospice, I, I did a few for my coworkers. I used to do, um, and I may add them onto my site. I didn't want to because it, I'm not doing that anymore, but it was a thing called locker hooking. And I may just add them just so so to give other people ideas. And so I used clothing of people that have passed like mother, father, loved ones. And then I made a memory, um, either a rug or a wall hanging for them. And, um, I did quite a few. This was back in like 2014. 1314. Okay. So it's been a while. And then um, when I was here in Pennsylvania a few visits ago, um, my mom still has rugs. One of them, her great aunt did it. I put that one on my website. Her great I saw great that. Aunt. It looked like yeah. it was, it had been passed down. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And that thing was huge. I mean, you see, how it, big was. it was on her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my grandma, my mom's mom, she, they made these braided rugs out of wool, like all 100% wool. And um, whenever the clothing would become tattered or whatever, they they would, you know, cut it up and make it into rugs. My mom in this house, she has several rugs that are 60, 70, 80 years old. And they're still on the floor. They're still functional. They're still beautiful. And to know that my grandma's hands made those, you know, that that she did this in the evening, you know, after all their chores and all those kids were put to bed, hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so I, a few visits ago, I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this because the locker hooking is a little more tedious. And, um, so I have remnants of 
some of these clothes. And, um, and one of my clients that passed away, she didn't want her clothes donated to Goodwill. She's like, no, like, I don't want, I don't want other people wearing my clothes. <laughs> so again, honoring her wishes. Sure. I, I didn't put those clothes to Goodwill. And so I said, I go, well, they're not my size or my style really. And I go, but I do make rugs. I go, would, would you be okay if I made a rug out of it? Yeah. And so, so one of the pictures on my website is all of her clothing. Um, and, and that is, that's her. I mean, it's the wow. colors, the fabrics, the silk she did, um, natural fabrics. And, um, so just every time I see that, I, I remember her and, right. um, yeah. So, so, and that's something that, you know, taken care of, it'll last more, you know, decades and, um, yeah. Who knows who will end up with it, but, right. um, but she did authorize me to do that. So I did that. And then, um, so out of remnants that I have from previous projects, like I, I'm making them into rugs now. And, um, and so, um, and then it's, it's nice cause it can be custom, like how big or how little or right. uh, whatever, you know, however they want it. And then the colors, and then it's just a way for them to remember their loved ones. Like, yeah. even though my grandma passed in 1979, but every single day when I see that rug, like she's right there yeah. and, um, you know, her, her spirit, her essence and her, yeah. her handiwork is right there. And, um, so I do, I do, I do enjoy making those and, yeah. and it's something That's else so I can give back in, in a way that they can live on. Yeah, that is yeah. really special. I love that. It's yeah. just, it's, I don't know. It's so meaningful. My, my aunt made me a, a heart pillow out of my grandma's shirt after she had passed and uh -huh. she gave it to me while I was going through treatment. And it was just so special to have something of your loved ones that, mm -hmm. you know, you can, you know, just look at and it reminds you of them and just gives you that warm feeling. So I think that's mm -hmm. so sweet that you do that. That's wonderful. Yes. Yeah. And that, that, uh, reminded me of another service that, that we do is like, um, helping people purge and clean out, like Whoa. preparing because they know they're going yeah. and somebody is going to have to do that task. And yes. so, um, you know, so helping them clean out, um, that's huge. There's a lot of hoarding. My mom right? is There's so funny. Of... Every time she cleans something out, she's always like, I'm doing this now so you don't have to do it. Hopefully you thank her. Knock on wood. She's not going anywhere for a long time. My mom just packs. I always say that. Thank you. <laughs> my mom packs it up and sends it to my house. So I uh, end up with her stuff. Oh, yeah. She's getting rid of it. So again, another book that I love, um, it's a, it's a little book and it's an easy read. You can read it in the afternoon, but it's called the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning. Oh, um, and it's, it's written by this little lady. She doesn't say her name somewhere or her age, somewhere between 80 and hundred, but she wrote this, um, <laughs> she wrote this little book and she says in there, you know, like, um, that, you know, that we should all be doing this. And because if not, then it's a burden on somebody else. Like right. our, our days are already so spread thin. Right. Yeah. And then now we have this extra chore or we have to clean this up or we have to yeah. close up this house or this apartment or whatever. And so, um, so doing that, that's also a gift for your loved ones, yes. you know, to not be a burden you know, at the end Absolutely. of life. And, and that's a fear. Like so many people don't want to be a burden if they're ill or, you know, they, right. um, yeah. So that's just another way that another gift that, um, yeah. that can provide. So, so I do help people like, yeah, wow. sure, I'll take that out to the garbage. I'll take that to Goodwill for you, whatever. So, wow. so that's another thing we can help downsize, you know? So again, wherever they are in the journey, meet them where they are. What do you need? How can I assist? I, that's awesome because that's a huge, huge undertaking. I mean, so, I mean, you think about it, everyone, not most everyone has someone that has to do that once they're gone. And so we, I mean, we have seen it happen so many times where we have, you know, people call us and say, can you please take all these donations? Because, you know, so-and-so just passed and we're, we're trying mm -hmm. to get rid of stuff. So we, we take donations and stuff, but it's, it's a lot of work and it's, it's a lot for people, especially when they maybe didn't live in the same home as you. So you're going in blind to this house that you didn't live in and you have to go through all their stuff. It's, a huge undertaking. So the fact that you help with that 
That's amazing. Well, and because people are already so, you know, overwhelmed with everything that's happening, they're just going to want to get rid of things. And there could be really meaningful things in there that they wish they wouldn't have gotten rid of. Or, um, you know, if your family member has, you know, collected of something very valuable over time, but not shared any with anybody what those, the value of those things are, you know, right. That could be really sad if that (laughs) donated somewhere. Yeah. I went in houses uh, with clients and, and I love the ones that have little notes, like, you know, (laughs) keep this, toss this, give this to George, give this to Bruce. Um, Wow. So I love, I love that. It's like, you know, they're thinking about it. They're planning ahead and, and that's yeah. helping lighten their load as they are approach transition yeah, absolutely. and knowing, and then you could also, if you do it, if they do it themselves, they can also, you know, see, have the joy of that person being a recipient. It's like, yeah. um, and I've even done it like uh, a girlfriend, like, oh my gosh, I love that necklace or whatever. So I was like, hmm. So I just took it off and I was like, here. And I was like, if it gives her joy, like I've got to right. enjoy it. I've had it, you know. And so I, I, um, okay, here. It's here. Yeah. And I pass it on. I love that. I love That's that. Awesome. I, yeah. I'm curious, have you ever had someone request uh, your help in organizing like an estate sale? Ooh. Um, well, I did with my aunt. Um, okay. My mom, my mom was in charge of her stuff. And, um, so, so that one I did participate in, um, I used to know a guy who in California, who, um, who did that. He was like the person that would come to the house and then, you know, um, have the estate sell. And, um, one of the assisted living places, facilities, um, Mm -hmm. again, it was somebody who didn't have family or children. And so they actually had a little, auction like right there like they put the stuff out from her room her apartment oh, wow. oh and um they they had a sale and then you know residents or visitors whatever whoever could go out there and um i i don't know if the money if they put it in the estate then i don't know how right they, um or if it went to the expense i'm not sure how they right. did that but but they did that right there um i used to volunteer at that facility wow. and um so they did that Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gosh. It's just crazy. Oh. I feel like lately there's been so many things I've learned about, uh, you know, like this other, that other podcast I listened to, you know, they, there's just things that you don't think of. And like, I would have probably never thought of had I not started like educating myself on the, on the process, like what happened. Cause I mean, we won't be here to know how the process goes after, or, you know, it's really right. just the, when you experience someone else's loss that you're like, I never thought I would have had to, you know, that you had to get multiple death certificates, you know, the, you know, or however, you know, that you can only split up their ashes so many times, or it's just, it, I love that at this point in my life, I'm like able to have these conversations and right. not go into it as blind, I guess, or just have an idea. And I love what you said earlier about you see people as young as 18 because you know like you said it happens to all of us and having having a physical you know copy of someone's wants and wishes and just I, I love that you provide that service to like help people just make a plan and so their loved ones know you know there's just that they're gonna be honored yeah Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, taking taking that big burden off of your shoulders and your family's shoulders, you know, and so having it in place, I, I think that's, it's really, really great. And it's something that I hope in the coming times we get better and better about. And it's not so hush hush and don't talk about death. Let's talk about it. Let's educate ourselves let's make plans you know and let's um break down those walls so we can have these conversations and um we're not so afraid right are you in a position to advocate on someone's behalf if they are experiencing a lot of pain or if they're you know extremely uncomfortable unable to sleep 
are you able to be a sort of liaison between them and their doctor? Yes. Yeah. Usually by the time I come in, it's the hospice or, you know, whoever their care team is. Right. And um, so, yes. So being being able to fill that gap, you know, between their yes. their hospice or their caregivers, um, their loved ones, whoever's there doing it. And because um, they're coming in, you know, maybe once a week, once a day, like, yeah. OK, if they come in one hour a day, we have 23 hours where they're unattended. Yeah. And um, right. So, yeah, so being there in that gap, then um, if I notice the change, like, well, this isn't working so good anymore, or we've, we've had a, we've had a shift, we've had a change, um, you know, we, we lost this ability or, or this is coming up. And so then, then I can make that phone call and, you know, and then they can adjust their medication. Um, they can come out, you know, make an extra visit if, if they weren't scheduled for another couple of days, you know pop in there and, and make right. an extra visit and, and make the adjustments that they need. So absolutely. Good. And that's Good. such a relief okay. for the family too, because they may not, they may not know to call. They may not know what to look out for. And so having yeah. their expertise there um, is probably a huge comfort to the family as well. Yeah. yeah. And given a plug for hospice, like not everybody is on hospice. Um, right. You know, some do die without it. However, um, they are available 24 seven and at least the ones that I've, I've worked yes. with, um, they're available 24 seven. You can call them. And, um, a lot of people panic, like they're having shortness of breath. They can't breathe, you know, and, and, um, they panic and they call 911 or they, you know, or they take them to the emergency room. And this may be exactly what the person does not want, you know, what's right. in their wishes. And, right. um, so, so with hospice, like everything goes through them. And I, I love that. And, um, that's yeah. one of the things that I, um, advocate, I'm a, we're, we're big advocators, right? We advocate for the person we're, yeah. you know, on their behalf, you know, being their voice. And, um, that's another thing that I want to educate for because they, they come in and, um, and when the person does pass, like people would think, well, I, I need to call 911 or who, right. you know, what do I do? But you, you just make your phone call to hospice. It's right. discreet. There's no sirens. Like, you know, the neighbors are yeah. like, Ooh, what's going on? You know, it's just it, with dignity. Dignity yes. is a, is a huge thing. Yes. And the yeah. quality. Yeah. Yeah. We've had um, one experience with hospice in our family, and it was a really good experience. They were great. They mm -hmm. were there for us 24 hours a day. And yeah. so I I appreciated, you know, it being kind of smooth, you know, very smooth, having the one place to call and they handled mm -hmm. everything. And they even had meds um, delivered to us in the middle of the yeah. night. So it was it was really great. And I was just going to add one more thing about being there, like being the um, the doula there in that situation. Like there's so much information. Number one, you're dealing yes. with the heartbreak. You're dealing with the news. You're dealing with the reality. Yes. And, um, you know, now these medicines, what do I do? And so many people yeah. have a fear of administering yes. that. And, you know, um, so there's just so much like just so much information dumped on yes. them and, and they're in this situation and there's this medical equipment coming in the house and furniture's being rearranged and you know our 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 structure is yeah like you know no longer <laughs> calm and normal right yeah. um, so we have all this stuff happening and and there's just so much information they give you the binder or the folder in the booklet right. and it's all fabulous information but who's really sitting down and reading that and digesting it and and yeah. You know, so that way, like we can come in and, um, you know, just reassure, reiterate, yeah. explain this is this is what they do. This is what you can do. This yeah. is what you don't have to do. And um, so it's just real comforting to be there. Um, and also when a person does pass, then a doula also can be. I've had that experience as well where people were not there. Um, right. They were not there. And so they don't know. So they have blanks they have this missing information right. and so I've even had them call me like you know tell me and um so then I could tell them like I could share with them and yeah um one of them felt bad like I didn't call soon enough I didn't reply to the email soon enough and they felt horrible and I was able to reassure them you know yeah that uh yeah and yeah. um and and fill in that gap like you know 
of, of, uh, whatever they needed to, to yeah. comfort them and, um, give them that information. And, and again, being those eyes and ears there, yeah. with the person and, and being able to share that and, um, yeah. help the family to be able to right continue on as well. Yeah. That's that. De- Cause it's definitely a lot. And with my grandma, I remember there was so many people in and out. So mm-hmm. passing on information, things got lost in translation too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, having one consistent person being there for them, you know, if we had an end of life doula, they would have known that consistent information and not having to just kind of play telephone with the whole family. Well, and you're also that objective third party yes. um, that doesn't have any other, you know, um, objective or you're just during such an emotional time, you're able to, and I'm not to say that you aren't affected, but um, you're able to be kind of the calm in the midst of their storm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. Cause I mean, so yeah. families can, something like, you know, something like death can, can really tear, tear families apart. So yeah. to have that objective third party to kind of help keep the peace, I think is um, really helpful. Yeah. yeah, that's when all the worms come out, right? When the yes, yeah. come and <laughs> stuff comes to the surface. And um, yeah, so you're exactly right. Like it's so important for um, a doula or person coming in there to be clear, to be grounded, right. you know, to be centered. And that's another area where the Reiki and the yoga come in handy, you know, the meditation, you know, to be clear myself and to yes. be a presence for that person. And you're exactly, exactly right. I don't have the years or decades of experience or drama or whatever that's going on in, in the family, but it's like, okay, there's a time and a place, like yeah. not in front of the right the person who is yes. transitioning and, um, you know, you know, take it another room or whatever. Like yeah. right now it's all about this person. This right. person is my focus. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great. So with your passion for life and living and just having such um such a great outlook on you know death and you know the end we like you said we all we all have that time but you have such a passion for life and living how do you encourage people to live their life to the fullest while they're here yes so make their plans. Yeah. Address make their those, plans. Address those things. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, purge and clean up your space. No, but really just be, it's for me, it's passion, um, okay. to be passion. Like I've worked with people and they grumble every morning and getting up and rah, rah, they got to come to work. And yeah. even something as simple as that. Okay. If this you're here one third of your day, like if you don't love this, like life's too short, do something sure. that you love. Like I love that saying, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. Like, yeah, you know, do what you love. And and if you're in a relationship that's no longer working or no longer serving you, like, you know, purge that relationship. And, um, you know, when you clear out, then, then that gives the space for new things to come into your life, new experiences. And Mm -hmm. like, if we're holding on, you know, we're grasping on and our, our hands aren't open to receive. And so if we, you know, just remember life is a, a cycle, a circle, um, that energy, that flow, like if we have a bunch of stuff or relationships or jobs, whatever it is that that's hindering our flow and um, not being able to give us the most joy. So I, my thing is just follow your passion. If you, if you, you know, if you feel expansion, if you feel a pull forward, then, then that's yes for you. And if you're like, mm, you know, or you're contracting or closed in or like, you know, having second thoughts and it's not an immediate thing, then it's not for you. Not right, right. now. Um, you know, just because it works for somebody, it, it's, you know, it's for them, not for you. And so just sure. um, when somebody told me when we go, we go alone. And that really helped me because like in society, you know, we're worried about whatever, like if it's getting yeah. up with the Joneses or having this or not having that or whatever it is, you know, in, or even in relationships, even with three people, you get that triangle. Right. And, and, um, so just to remember that we are here for us, we have to answer for ourselves, and it's our life. And when it's our time to go, we're going to go alone, right. you know, 
And so really, that just really helped me like, you know, whether this relationship's good or today's an on day, you know, now it's an off day, the relationship's good. Now it's not, it's, it's just like, you know, it's, I, I don't, I don't have time for that drama, you know? Right. And yes. Yeah. It's so so just funny. I, I'm in this season right now of, um, what if it's better than you even imagined? Mm, Yeah. And so, you know, and I, to your point about, you know, passion and everything and, and removing yourself from situations that are no longer fulfilling you because life is too short. Mm -hmm. Um, I've recently got to experience something like that. <laughs> and my just attitude has been, you know, okay, A, what is the universe mm. teaching me right now? What am I supposed yeah. to learn from this? Right. And just, yeah, what if it's better than I even imagined? Because, I mean, right. I've seen such beautiful things happen to people um, when they've taken that leap. And yeah. sometimes the universe has to push us out of our comfort zone because we are staying in things that aren't for us. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, following that intuition and and fulfilling your own life because truly, mm-hmm. you know, I I've said for the longest time, you know, if, if I were to die tomorrow, I think the only thing I would regret is not seeing more of the world. Oh. So my purpose is to see the world see as much there of the world go. as I can. Yeah. Yes. Yay. There you yeah. go. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rita, where could um, our listeners find you? So I, I have a website. It's um, ritaforlife.com. Uh, okay. So Rita, the number four, life.com. And um, and there are a bunch of directories, doula directories. Um, so I'm I'm on there. And, and I physically am in Placer County in California, Northern California. And um, yeah, so phone, text, email, reach out through the website on the contact form. Uh, awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and put your website in the show notes. So listeners, if you want to find Rita, just go into the show notes and click on the link and it'll take you right to the website. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here, especially I know it's, uh, you're on that East Coast time. So <laughs> I know I didn't yes. realize we were keeping you up so late. Oh, oh, no, I totally forgot. <laughs> no, you're fine. I smell bread baking out there. There's five loves of fresh homemade bread baking. Oh, wonderful. Like that. And, yeah, so no problem at all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. And we look forward to talking to you some more for sure. Yes. Definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I appreciate your organization and what you're doing. And, oh, absolutely. Um, I look forward to working with you. Yes, we look forward to. Yes, we will look forward to working more with you. Absolutely. So thank you you listeners for being with us today. Listeners, if you have any topics that you would like for us to cover, or if you would like to share your story with us, please feel free to reach out at podcast at weareyoursupport.com. And find us on all of our social media at LTFC underscore podcast and follow us on and listen, follow us and listen on all of your podcasting platforms. Let's talk fucking cancer and we will see you guys next Tuesday. We are your support. Thank you for talking cancer. cancer.